Most people think that they can get saved when they want to. Most people feel like they've got plenty of time. Most people think that if they can just make it till the day they die and on their deathbed, the chaplain come in and pray for them, that they'll be okay. Some believe if they can just get the last rites, that's all they need. But the Bible has some very clear, clear teaching. And there's somewhat warnings. If we don't repent, we perish, the Bible says. If we just keep going the way that we were going when we were born, we're in a lot of trouble. Even if you're getting higher and higher and being more and more successful, if you're going in the wrong direction, you're in a lot of trouble. So I'm entitling the message, God's Three Deadlines. Years ago, a preacher by the name of J. Harold Smith preached a sermon by that title. I don't have the sermon, but I have the title in my mind, God's Three Deadlines. There are three things, three things. When any one of the three happen, you do not have another opportunity to give your heart to Christ. It is not on your timetable. It is on his timetable. There are three things that are clear in the scripture that once this event takes place, there is no way after that that you could ever, even if you at that point change your mind, could ever come to the Lord Jesus Christ and make him your Savior and Lord. Let me just read some scripture to you to kind of set us in the moment of getting into specific scriptures on God's three deadlines. Reading to you from Acts chapter 2, verse 20. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, and this is a record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that has the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you believe on the name of the Son of God. Knowing about Christ and knowing Christ is two different things. For you to say, I believe in Jesus, will join history. Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, laid his life down for an important reason. He could have called 10,000 angels to come, but he did not. He had a reason. He permitted the Roman Empire to nail him to a cross. But that same Jesus on Sunday morning rose from the grave. He is alive. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. He knows about this service. He knows what's going on in my life. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows exactly what's taking place in the United States of America and in the rest of the world. 
But my question to you today as you listen to these three deadlines, is God real in your life? Do you know that you know that there was a time in your life when you were born again? By that I mean you recognize that the fact was true that you were a sinner and that nobody ever taught you to be bad. You just came that way. And you said that day, if, if it was real, you said that day, Jesus, I want you to be not only my Savior, but I want you to be Lord of my life. And you appropriated that gift to yourself. The world today offers many saviors, many shortcuts to salvation. That's the world. But this world is temporary. Heaven is eternal. I don't care what I've heard or you've heard. If it didn't come from Jesus, we haven't heard the truth. Because Jesus in Jesus alone is truth. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And nobody's going to come to the Father except by him. The Bible says we must be reconciled to God. That means we've got to recognize we're a sinner and we've got to make things right with God. We have to come to him. We have to come to him and say, God, would you, by your power, by your grace, and through the power of your blood, would you adopt me into your family? I want you to listen to Romans chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. For if, when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have received the atonement. Wherefore, listen, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin... And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Every single one of us has been diagnosed by the great physician with an eternal death sentence of sin. There's no hospital, no medicine other than the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from our sin. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is not patching up the wounds. Salvation is being born again. It's not stopping the stuff you used to do where sin was leaking out. And that is traded in for the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. With the blood comes holiness. With the blood, you're a new creature. With the blood of Jesus, we quit living the life we're living when we're born, and we began to be children of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the one who goes with us wherever we go, and wherever he leads, we go. We follow, and he leads us into life everlasting. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. 
As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. The prayer of heaven is that all of us would be reconciled to God, that we would all get right with God, that we would all quit being so arrogant and so proud and so boastful and admit we are sinners in need of a Savior and that only Him can save us from our sin. If you're 30 years of age of older, you've tried a whole lot of stuff to get rid of some sin in your life and you still hadn't got rid of it. But God still loves you. And God wants to come into your life. The Bible teaches that the cross and the open tomb is God's testimony to the fact that there's no other way of salvation. There's no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody's going to come to the Father except by me. And you're not going to come to the Father if you don't come to the cross. And let your life die to sin and be born again to walk with Jesus. If you would say, well, I used to have 100 sins in my life. I've got them down now to 31. You know what? One sin makes you a sinner. But the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. Hebrews 9.22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Are you ready? But without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. You cannot do anything to make up for your past. You can't do enough good works. You can't give enough money. You can't attend enough worship services. You've got to come to the cross. You've got to rejoice in an open tomb. And you've got to go around with the expectancy that Jesus is coming again. John eleven twenty six. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believe you this is the question he asks there. Whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Listen to John three fifteen. I know your favorite one is 16. Let's go on either side of that. Verse 15, chapter 3 of John. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. The next verse, 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus did not come to condemn you. He came to save you. He came to set you free from all of those things that are causing us to pop billions of pills, causing a culture to go into drugs, trying anything in the world to drink enough, take enough, run around enough to where you can forget this world and forget this life and think that some way, somehow, you're going to draw your last breath and everything is going to be all right. With all of the scriptures that are available to us, all the blessings that God has bestowed on all of us, we're alive, aren't we? We live in America, don't we? I bet you ate in the last 24 hours. Some good food. God loves us in a special way in our country that we love so much. But you know what? The majority of people in the good old USA have rejected Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They like the American way rather than the way. 
they had rather follow in their culture and when they don't like the culture, get involved in trying to change the culture. And the way you change the culture is to change the people that make up that culture one person at a time. Jesus loved the whole world. There was no racial prejudice with Jesus. That didn't even become a temptation with him. He came, he made us red, yellow, black, and white. We're all precious in his sight. He chose the color. He chose where we were born. He chose my mom, my dad, same way with you. God made your fingerprint. None are like you. You are special to God. And God loves you even when you look in the mirror and say, I don't know how. But he does. He does. And you know what? God wants us all to be saved. Yeah, he does. No, not me. Not for not. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah. He said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to me. But God warns us about salvation. God sent his son. He died on the cross. He rose from a grave. He went back to the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit, and he's coming back again. Now, God gave us that. He says, listen, I don't know where you are. I do know that, that Jesus hadn't come back again. But I also know that he's risen. I do know he's alive. And if you know him, you know he's alive because you talked to him this morning. You ask me how I know he lives? He, what? He lives within my heart. He lives within my heart. Now, having said all that, I'm getting now to the heart of the message. God wants us all to be saved. But there's three things he teaches that if you've passed these, you will never be, you, you will never be saved if this thing happened, any one of these three happened in your life. We make the choice. God has given us the how. By his stripes, we're healed. By the blood, we're healed. But he gives us a choice. He gives us a choice. Now, having done that, and to set up these three very simple facts, let me remind you, Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 1 John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 1 John 1.10, if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. No one can hear what I'm fixing to tell you and say, this does not apply to me. I just happen to be better than most folks. I just have mine together. I'm quite confident that when I stand before God and he's going to grade on the curve, that I got it made. God doesn't grade on the curve. One soul at a time. One sin at a time. There is one Savior, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Are you ready for number one? If you die today, you'll never have another chance to give your heart to Jesus. That's a deadline. It's appointed unto man once to die. You're going to die. I know you think you attend funerals. One day, someone will attend our funeral. One day, we will draw our last breath. One day, it will be recorded at the courthouse, he is dead, she is dead. If you wait to then, you have waited too late. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no purgatory. 
I'm sorry. There is no other way other than the blood of Jesus. Jesus owns us or he doesn't. If he doesn't, we'll be cast into outer darkness. But the moment you say, yeah, I know, and the average life expectancy is, put the number on it. But in your church, your church here in Houston, we have buried the young and the old in the last 30 days, and several of them, that you sat in church with in the last six weeks, and they're now absent from the body, and they're present with the Lord. When death comes, it's over. You cannot ask for salvation after you are dead. So if you're saying, I will take my chance, none of us know the scripture says what another day is going to bring. In Houston, we watch it every single day. We watch our teenagers being murdered at the school. We see the wrecks up and down our freeway. We get up every single morning in Houston, Texas and look on our road into wherever we're going and say, can I get there? And they began to tell us two fatalities here, one there. They're not all over 75 years old. It's appointed unto man once to die. When that day comes, we'll be either going to be with the Lord or we'll spend eternity without God in a place the Bible calls hell. If you live, if I live, we're going to die. If I'm alive, I'm going to die. If you're alive, you're going to die. Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, after this, the judgment. The judgment. That's not for your salvation. It's for your judgment. You have crossed God's first deadline when you die. There is no place, no way, nowhere where you can be saved after you die. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam... All will die. Even so, in Christ, all shall be made alive. You can get out of your death to sin and have a new life in Jesus Christ today. Today. If you will let God come into your life. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says, The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. But right now, death is the enemy that sends us into eternity. Jesus is going to come back again, but that's for a later time for me to discuss that. But what I want you to know, that God's first deadline is your death. No matter your uniqueness, no matter how many times you go to La Fitness or L.A. Fitness, <laughs> you will die. I do not care how many vitamins you take, you will die. I'm glad you're proud that you can still run 15 yards. <laughs> but you're going to die. And none of us, the Bible says, know what another day is going to break. Deadline number two. You will never be saved after Jesus comes back to this earth again. If Jesus Christ, and he may come. You say, I don't believe that. That's the reason he may come. Because the Bible says in such an hour as we think not, the Son of Man is coming. When the trumpet sounds, you've waited too long. When the Lord himself descends from heaven with the shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. 
And then those which are alive and remain shall meet the, the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But those that reject Jesus will be right here in the nasty now and now. The second coming of Jesus will close your opportunity to be saved. There is nowhere, no place, no way that you will have a second chance. The Lord has said, I've made myself so evident in creation that you're without an excuse. And as we look at the scripture, the return of Jesus to this earth and the second coming, I don't have time to read you the, all of the signs, but I can assure you that the signs have all taken place as I'm preaching to you right now. The only one that's, that's been considered is that the gospel will be preached to the entire world, and there's some that will tell you that's already happened via the internet and so forth and so on. Are you ready for 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50? Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we'll all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And at the last trump, the trump shall sound. The dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put it on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. Well, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought past the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We come alive if we're believers. If we are believers. But those that are not, and by the way, if you want to know if any of your friends were left behind, all you got to do is go to the graveyard. They'll still be there, right where you are. That's what the scripture says. You say, I don't believe that. You better. Because this is God's written word to us. This is God's written message to us. This is his love note to his kids, that, or those that want to be his kids. And he cannot lie. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You say, well, I don't believe in the second coming of Christ. I bet this is something that maybe you don't know. Did you know the second coming is mentioned more times in the Bible than the new birth? The new birth is mentioned nine times. Baptism is mentioned 20 times. Repentance is mentioned 70 times. And the second coming of Jesus is mentioned 300 times. Jesus is coming again. Amen? He's coming. He's coming. He is coming. And I am convinced that if Jesus were to come back to this earth today, as he did 2,000 years ago, if Jesus would come to this earth today, he would be crucified sooner than he was when he came the first time. Think about it. This world hates Jesus. Houston hates Jesus. America hates Jesus. You said, oh, no, no, I got Kent, folks. America hates Jesus. The majority of Americans are not born-again, blood-bought Christians. They have substituted religion for relationship. And that's the reason we have all our racial problems. That's the reason we have all that horror stuff on the news. That's the reason we cannot get in one accord in Washington. We are so mixed up because we have no leader. Yeah. 
as a nation. But God loves America. But he also loves Russia and North Korea and South Korea and Africa and the uttermost part of the earth. He's not looking for our politics. He's looking for our Savior. Is the blood of Jesus in America. Thank God for the blood of our soldiers. God revere that holy bunch of people. But it's not the blood of the soldier. It's the blood of Jesus. It cleanses from all sin. And we must know that. We must believe it. And we must live it. Jesus. Jesus will come back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. First time, he was the Prince of Peace. Remember that one? Now he's coming back as King of kings. I mean, not messing around anymore. He's the greatest name I know. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. The first time he came as the author of salvation. The next time he comes, he's going to be the finisher of our faith. The first time he came, he came to save sinners. The second time he's coming to judge sinners. Here's what Paul said. And by the way, if you're not a believer or you don't know a lot about the Bible, the Apostle Paul wrote much of the New Testament more than anybody else. He was a murderer of Christians. That's the way he started out. Very educated man. But he hated, hated Christianity. And he literally was an executioner of the people of the Christian faith. But God saved him, and he was born again. He'll do the same for you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Here's what Paul said when he died. For I'm now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to what? To all of those that love his appearing. Paul was telling us, if God can save me, he can save you. Put our sins side by side, and I'll rank in the upper 2%. But the blood of Jesus cleansed me, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse you. Here's a fact. Jesus Christ could come to this earth at any time. Think about this. How many times have we been looking up in the sky on the news recently at missiles? North Korea, everybody's testing. Russia's testing, America's testing, North Korea's testing. We're, we're look at the sky. Oh, I wonder where the missiles are. I wonder if one's going to come over Houston, going somewhere else, you know. Okay, I think the Lord just helping us with these neck muscles. Because one of these days, there's going to be a trumpet sound, and we're going to look up, and it isn't going to be a missile. It's going to be Jesus coming to this earth again. So we know where to look. One more. There's a third deadline. Some of you have never heard this one. But did you know that you can commit an unpardonable sin? One. The Bible clearly teaches there's one sin that if we commit this sin, 
Doesn't matter if we live 50 years afterward. In no way will we enter the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him. Neither in this world or in the world to come. That is what we refer to as the unpardonable sin. This is when a person gets so hard, so arrogant, and I will show you some examples in just a moment as I close. But when that sin is committed and we blaspheme the Holy Spirit, who is the only one that can get us to Jesus, it's over. It is finished in this life. You may do that when you're young. You may do it in middle age. You may do it when you're old. But listen to me very carefully. The Bible says, my spirit will not always strive with man. We say, well, why not the Father? Sinning against the Father. Why not the Son? Well, when one speaks against Jesus, he's speaking in darkness. Jesus has left this earth. He's now with the Father. He lived 2,000 years ago. We were not there when God created the earth. We were not there when Jesus walked on the earth. But God sent his Son. God sent his son to die on the cross. That son lived a perfect life. That son loved everyone. That son said, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. And God, in his power, sent his only son. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he went to the cross. However, today, God is alive in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is still here. If you're saved, he convicts us of our sin. If you're walking through the valley of death, he comforts us. When you don't understand the scripture, you, you go to the Holy Spirit and he interprets the scripture for you because he is the one that God used to help those that wrote by pen the Bible, 66 books. The Holy Spirit comforts. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us in the paths of righteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts us when we sin. The Holy Spirit gives us power to do the work and the ministry that he desires. That all comes from him. And when we reject that, there's no way to get to Jesus. He's the one that leads us to Jesus. He's the one that takes you there. And when you in all of your arrogance, take the position that I am going to go against the Holy Spirit, that conviction, I'm going to blow it off. My, I just, a tear came out of my eyes while I heard that sermon. I'll never go back to that church again. That preacher used the word heaven, hell, repentance. I'll never go back in that church again. They need to wake up and see what the churches are today. They need to come and get contemporary. No, we don't need to get contemporary. We need to get real. Amen. Jesus died for sinners and the Holy Spirit 
must inhabit this place. That's the reason we pray before the first service and ask God, come here, Lord Jesus, in the person of the Holy Spirit, so that you might bless this congregation and this message as it goes out to the entire world. So I'm going to ask you five questions. I'll try to do it. I've got ten minutes. I'll try to cut it shorter than that. Ready? Number one. What is it? It's one's refusal to follow the Holy Spirit, who's the only one that can lead you to Jesus. We're led and drawn to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. You can't get to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit leads you. And when you tell the Holy Spirit, get out of my life, I will not tolerate you. You're not Jesus. You're not the Father. He is the Father and the Son. They're three in one. When you reject the Holy Spirit, you have rejected the Son. You have rejected the Father. You have chosen to go the way of religion instead of the way of the cross. The Holy Spirit takes us to Jesus. And guess what Jesus does with us? He takes us to the Father. And then we hear the words that Jesus heard. Well done. Well done. All of us today need to stop and realize that Jesus said, If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. John 12, 32. In John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. You've got to get to Jesus. And the way you get to Jesus is through the Holy Spirit. Don't mess up in step one. Don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's an unpardonable sin. Number two, who can commit it? Any lost, unsaved, non-believer, unrepentant person on the face of the earth can commit that sin and refuse to accept the invitation of the Holy Spirit to take you to the Son and to the Father. Once you tell him, and by the way, he's the only one that can get you there. You don't shortcut and go around the Holy Spirit because he is part of the Godhead. So when the Holy Spirit comes into a service like this, God begins to work in the hearts of the people as well as a pastor who might be doing the preaching. Number two, who could do it? Any lost, unsaved, unrepentant person on the face of the earth that refuses to accept the invitation to come to Jesus for salvation. That is it. Let me ask you something. If you learn in the morning went to a doctor, every modern test showed you that you're literally eat up with cancer. And there was, there's not now, he's the only divine healer, but if there was a way, if there was a hospital, MD Anderson's not 100% in their cures, but what if there was a hospital that 100% of the people that went in that door were healed? Would you go? Of course you would. Well, Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the door that leads to eternal life. you got to come through the door. And everybody comes through the door. We'll see Jesus forever and forever and forever. And that person on that day will be adopted 
into the family of God. Listen carefully. If you've rejected Jesus every day for the past 365 days, a year ago today, and every day you've rejected him, are you content today to try it for another year? Another month? Another week? Or even another day? Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is inviting you today to come to him with a promise. If you'll come to me, I will in no wise cast you out. But you've got to humble yourself and come to me or you'll never see the Father and you'll never see everlasting life. You say, well, Pastor, what is my sin? What have I done wrong? You know what you've done wrong? You've refused God's way for you to come through the moving of the Holy Spirit to the Son. You've rejected it. You say, I don't like his plan. It's not up to me to like his plan. It's up to me to obey it. Do you remember the scripture in Proverbs 29.1? He that being often reproved hardens his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Every single one of us know a lot of people that have hardened their neck to the gospel. May God have mercy on them. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Do you hear that? Take heed if you say and you choose, or I say and I choose, to take another route. May God have mercy. The 15th verse of Hebrews 3, Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts in the day of the provocation. In the provocation. Real quickly, number three, how does it show itself? How do you know that you've committed it? What are the warning signs? Number one, you have an out-and-out bitterness against God. Out-and-out bitterness against God. Every, every Sunday in a church where the gospel is preached, you'll see people get up and walk out. They're not going to hear it. Never planned to hear it. That's our culture. That's our world. Don't, don't, don't cram that Bible down my throat. Nobody's trying to cram a Bible down anybody's throat. This is a love letter, and it's addressed to you. And God said, I own everything. It all belongs to my kids. I guarantee you, if you think your parents got money, you'll be there for the reading of the will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You say, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Well, the will of God is that you be his heir according to his promises. So, why the bitterness? Or what is another sign? You blaspheme the Bible. You blaspheme the Bible. You don't read the Bible. It never enters your mind to read the Bible. So how do you say that? Well, I just don't understand it. Eight-year-olds do. You understand all you need to understand. Yeah, but I'm not going to read it. You blaspheme Jesus. I'm talking right now to many, to many. And you damn God's name. Every time you can't think of an intelligent word to say. That's just the way you talk. 
to a holy God. And any time you say the word God, you damn it. That's the sign. And you say, well, I don't think I've done it. Well, you need to listen as I close and give the invitation. You blaspheme everything that reminds you of God. You hate the church. You hate Christian music. You hate everything that has to do with God. And the Lord is saying, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. God is still passionate, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But in this day, we ask the question, if you don't believe this, well, why can't I be forgiven? If I, if I get to God, if he really loves me, then he's going to take me home. No, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is a way of death. Hebrews 9.22 says, And almost all things are by law purged with the blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission for sin. The Holy Spirit is that part of the Godhead that leads all of us to Jesus. Jesus was the blood sacrifice that the Father required, and the Holy Spirit gets us to Jesus who is the blood, and by his stripes we are healed. No person gets to the Father except through the Son. We cannot choose an alternate route. A lot of us get in our city here, and we get on a route, and we get stopped up, and there's a traffic accident up, up the way. We get on the phone, we do something, try to get another route, get another route, try to get to the place. Listen, you can't get around, there's no other route. Narrows the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many and most go therein. But you can't get to the Father except you go through the Son. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. So what now do you say? Can you give God one reason? That he will accept for you to reject his only begotten son's sacrifice of his blood for you to be saved and given a free gift of salvation. Is there one thing you're going to tell the father that's going to be your plea? God, here's my reason. Here's my reason. You'll find no fault in Jesus. Pilate couldn't and you can't. And I can't. But he wants you to come home. He wants you to be saved. He wants, if the next call to 911 is in your behalf, and you don't make it, you're absent from the body, but you're present with the Lord.